This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Essays are notes that Al-Tarebbe wrote when he was writing chapters 39 and 40 in Tanya, which you can go listen to in tanyaclass.com. After these essays, it's worthwhile to go back and listen to it, because now you have a whole new appreciation of, of the chapters, as well as the, um, like the footnotes on the chapter. One of the points he quotes there from the Kabbalah, from the Zohar, is that when a person studies Torah or does a mitzvah with intent or prays with a proper intent, then the mitzvah and the prayer and the Torah study are elevated and become one with godliness, depending on the level of the intent. The higher the level of the intent, the more subtle, the deeper, the more profound the level of the intent, the higher the uh, Torah um, is elevated and the prayer and the mitzvah, either to the world of emanation or the world of creation or the world, or the ten svirot of the world of emanation or the ten svirot, divine svirot of the world of creation or the ten svirot of the world of formation. If, however, a person prays without intent, without any proper intent, without any higher intent. But there's no negative intent either. I'm just, I'm just, I'm studying Torah. In that case, the Torah doesn't have the power. It doesn't have the power to be elevated and to become one with godliness. However, the Torah is elevated on the external level. It's elevated to a spiritual world. And it's elevated to the world of the angels. And that's why, when you study Torah, you create an angel. When you do a mitzvah, because you're creating a spiritual energy. It's those angels that become your advocates. Just like when you sin. You create a negative angel and that becomes your prosecutor. If you do a good deed, those an- angels, those energies become your advocate. But if a person prays without the proper intent, if there's no holy intent, there's no godly intent, then the prayer is not elevated. Not only isn't it elevated to the godliness of the upper worlds, the ten svirot of the upper worlds, is not even elevated to the upper worlds, period. Even to the external levels of the upper worlds, not even to the spiritual. So 
the prayers remain in this world. They're not elevated to the spiritual realm. So he's saying that we're not making a connection with Hashem at that level? Right. If you pray without intent, yes. Not only aren't you making a connection with Hashem, you're not even making a connection to anything spiritual. You're just mouthing words. How can you um, measure the level, or the level of intent? Hashem measures Depends how eagle is, how subtle, if it's emotional, you have a love of Hashem. If it comes from a deep understanding of Hashem, exactly. How much, how much, you bring into the, how much you're bringing into this experience. If you're just doing, it's just mechanical, or you're doing it with feeling, heartfelt, it's emotional, or you're doing it how with... Can, uh, how can you like uh, your intent? How can you just, hey, listen, I want you to do me a favor. Like that, of course, I understand. But if you're approaching Hashem, you're, you're holding neshama. Right, so it depends. Depends, depends how much neshama you put in, and that's, 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 how much, that's how high it goes. But don't we say that with the mitzvah, there is, there is that um, you know, connection, even without intent, with the, with the mitzvah? Yeah, well, it depends. If you do the mitzvah with negative, if you do it for egotistical reasons, then it, it's actually, the mitzvah is like a trap. If you do it with intent, the proper intent, the mitzvah is soars. If you do it without, not negative, not positive, it, it's elevated to a spiritual level. The mitzvah is elevated, but only to the external, to the spiritual, but not to the godly. So, so there is a difference between prayer and, and other mitzvahs. That's, that's what he's trying to understand. That's what he's going to explain uh, in this essay. Why the difference? Because when you do the mitzvah, when you do the mitzvah, the Torah, and the prayer with a proper intent, with your neshama, and you, with a love for Hashem, and a deep penetrating understanding of godliness, and even higher, a total egolessness, then just like the Torah soars and becomes one and connected with godliness, the godliness of the different worlds, and the, so the mitzvah soars and is elevated and uh, becomes one with the godly. So the prayer also soars and connects and becomes one with the godly, godliness of the world. But if you do a mitzvah without the proper intent, but not without any negative intent, or if you study Torah without the proper intent, without any negative intent, so it doesn't soar to the level of godliness, but it soars to the level of spirituality, creates an angel. But prayer is not, so prayer doesn't, do, doesn't accomplish anything. Prayer doesn't do that. Prayer doesn't even connect to the spiritual, doesn't create an angel. It just, just falls flat. Or it's just, it just remains in this world, stuck in this world. It says that the, uh, it said about the shul, about Alma Prague, I think that the, uh, the beams of the shul of Alma Prague were filled with the prayer of all the cantors at Avondir. Because the prayers of a cantor don't go up. Because the cantor is so busy with showing off his voice and showing off how operatic uh, expertise and is, he's a tenor, or if he's a, he's, that, there's no godly intent. It's not a real prayer. It's, it's a show. It's a nice uh, concert. Beautiful voice and beautiful technique and mechanics. But there's no heart and soul. It's, it's entertainment. That's so the right. prayers go nowhere. Not only don't the prayers go to become one with godliness, they don't even become one with the spiritual world. They remain in, stuck in this world. So the, the shul is packed with all these prayers, all these wonderful chazanim. It becomes a form of entertainment for the people listening. Absolutely. 
So that's the difference we call between a baltfilla and a chazan. A baltfilla is someone who's davening. He's oblivious to the crowd around him. He's davening to Hashem. He's just davening aloud. But it's like he's totally connecting with Hashem. Very and, hard to and it's real tears and it's real uh, joy and he's crying and he's singing and he's dancing. He's, he's living and experiencing his connection with Hashem. Versus the cantor is thinking about the audience. Page 280. To understand the statement. To understand the statement in Sha'ar HaYechudim, chapter 2. Sha'ar HaYechudim of Rav Chaim Baital which appears in Shemona Sha'arim, of current editions of the writings of Arizal, is part of Sha'aruah HaKodesh. The Rebbe Shlita once remarked in a talk that the introduction to Sha'ar HaYechudim states that it is divided into several Sha'arim, several gates. The gate of prophecy, Nevuah, the gate of uh, divine inspiration, and the gate of fixed, mending sin. The Rebbe then noted the precision of the author Rebbe's writings in chapter 40 of Tanya, he quotes a passage from Ar HaYechudim and specifies that its source is Sha'ar HaNeuva, while with regard to another passage, he simply cites Sha'ar HaYechudim. In the subcategory, he doesn't just say the general, it's in the gate of Yechudim, he goes into the subcategory, and specifically in the gate of prophecy. In light of the above, clarification is needed as to why, in chapter 40, when speaking of the angels that are created in the world of Yetzirah by Torah, that is not studied, Lishma, for its own sake. The Alter Rebbe cites Sha'ar HaNebuah, while here he cites Sha'ar HaYechudim. You see, it's very precise there. Everything in the Alter Rebbe is precise. So the Rebbe doesn't give an explanation. He just points out that it's something that needs clarification. Why he's quoting the same Kabbalah and the same source. And here he says Sha'ar HaYechudim, which is like the general gate. In, 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 the, in, the, in the note that he wrote for himself, but in the Tanya, he spe- specifies Shar uh, Hanavua, the gate of prophecy. No, this is simultaneously. While Alter Rebbe was writing the chapter, he made these notes for himself. These were notes that he wrote for himself while he was working, while he was working on and writing that but chapter. Still, one had to come before the other. He's thinking generally, but then when he writes, he's writing specifically. It, it has to have some meaning. But, but there itself, he changes. There, once he writes, so you see he's, he's thinking, Al-Tarebi is not just random. There's a reason why he changes. So why did he change here, there, in the same subject? So Al-Tarebi says, food for thought. I'm sure there's a good explanation, but we are something to think about. It's going in my book. Questions <laughs> from the Shia. <laughs> <laughs> Take a... Through Torah, without proper intention, angels are created in the world of Yitzhirah. And there, this source quotes the Zohar, Parshat Shlach. There is no voice lost from this world except the voice of Torah and prayer that ascends and pierces the heavens, i.e., it does not remain below. I think he speaks there of like three voices, three voices that are heard from one end of the world to the other. And a woman gives birth, when um, a person dies, it's like a, uh, a shout and a voice that's like heard from one end of the world to the other. We can't hear it, but we are not tuned in. It's like a radio wave. A radio wave goes from one end of the world to the other. You just have to have strong enough receivers to hear it. 
So there's no voice lost from this world. He said the exception is the voice of Torah and prayer that leaves this world. It rises above this world. It pierces the heaven. It does not remain in this world below, but a sin. Now, through intention and prayer, angels are created in the world of Bria, as with intention in the study of Torah. Considering the results of one's intent in Avodah, then, prayer and Torah are thus similar. They both ascend to the same level, the world of Berea. So when they are done with the proper intent, they both pierce the heavens, leave this world, ascend on high, to the same level, depending on how much neshama you put in and what the intent you have. Without the proper intent, prayer is repelled utterly down. So prayer is different when it comes. If you That's do prayer so without the proper intent, it's not like Torah study. It's not like doing a mitzvah. Because here it's totally repelled downward. It remains in this world. It doesn't go anywhere. Not only doesn't it pierce the heavens, and it doesn't ascend on high. It can't leave the atmosphere. And it doesn't ascend on high to the godly realm. It doesn't even ascend to the spiritual realm. It just remains in our atmosphere and in this world. So it is stated in the Zohar, Pasha from the day, into the lowest heaven. When prayer is not as it should be, when it is without proper intent, it is banished into the lowest of the heavens that governs the world. In other words, our heaven, our world, our atmosphere. It doesn't leave the atmosphere, our atmosphere, our heaven. Asiya. Yeah. Oh, no, even lower. Even lower than Asiya. Yeah, yeah, Asiya yeah. is also a spiritual Asiya. Here it remains in this world. In our world, in our atmosphere, it goes nowhere. These prayers are called invalid prayers, as the Zohar goes on to say. So these prayers, they're, they're called invalid prayers. Because the purpose of the prayer, valid prayer, is a prayer that's effective. A prayer that accomplishes its mission. It goes to the right place. And therefore, it will accomplish its mission and draw down a response. But a prayer that goes nowhere... Maybe that's why many of our prayers do nothing, because it goes nowhere, because our prayers are not proper. We're not thinking, we're not proper intent, no neshama. We're, we're, you know, we're just mouthing words, but it's not real. It's not genuine. And our thoughts are all over the place. Our thoughts are all over the place. Well, you're standing in the presence of a king. So if you're standing in the presence of a king, you have to stand with awe, you have to stand with with humility, you have to stand with... It's an experience. With dignity and aplomb. But if it's just... just Words, mouthing words, or showing off can, cantorial flourishes. There's no godliness. There's no so the prayer is called an it's an invalidated prayer. So it goes nowhere. It stays flat. It remains in this world and does nothing. Accomplishes nothing. It it just remains in the, in the it's floating in the air. It's floating in the air now, but a mitzvot and Torah not like that. Mitzvot and Torah, even if it's without any godly intent but without any negative intent of just studying Torah and doing the mitzvah it does pierce the heaven it doesn't soar to the level of godliness but it soars to the level of spirituality it creates angels uh, the, the Rebbe's father points out that when you say it doesn't have proper intent it doesn't mean it has no intent because an angel is a body and a soul so it can't just be, if you say it creates an angel, so it has to be more than just a mechanical mitzvah and the mechanical studying of Torah. There also has to be some intent. 
but there's no great intent. It's a very minimal intent. So you have some, has to have some energy, some life, which creates an angel. And that's why it says it depends also, we used to say what type of angel you create. You can create a healthy angel. You can create a cripple. Angel is hard of hearing. <laughs> it's half blind. Because the mitzvah that you did was nabach. You did it with a... That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do if, if you do a mitzvah that's robust, you do the mitzvah robustly with, with soul and heart and soul, hundred percent, and the angel is also robust. Um, that's why hopefully the sins that we do, the angels that we create with a negative negative action with a sin, all those angels are a little of a cripple. Because no Jew does a sin wholeheartedly. Every Jew, the moment you sin, you already feel guilty. It's not like you feel, oh, I wish I can do more. The moment it's over, you feel guilty, you're sorry, you're kicking yourself, why was I so weak? You're embarrassed, you're ashamed of yourself. So the moment you sin, even when you're sinning, it's not 100%. So the angel that you create is Nebuch. He's walking with a cane, he's hard of hearing, he's... He's a little sickly, sickly. You got the picture. Examine also the Zohar, Parashat Vayakel. If it is a seemly, if it is a seemly word, if the prayer is prompted by a proper intent, then the angel pointed as warden of prayers kisses it and elevates it. Thus, prayer ascends only when it is propelled by a proper intent. If so, then, since Torah and prayer are similar when they are performed with the proper intent, why then the proper intent is lacking? Why, when the proper intent is lacking, is Torah still able to create angels in the world of Yitzhak? Well, prayer with well, prayer without proper intent is repelled into the lowest heaven. In our atmosphere, so the Zohar there says that the, the way prayer works is. And that was the vision of Jacob, the ladder. Because it was a prayer, it was a prayer, the evening prayer. And the, the ladder that's planted in this world, they saw the angels going up, because it's the angels that elevate our prayer. The angels like kiss the prayer. So they internalize the prayer, and then they take the prayer and elevate it, because we are still physical. No matter how spiritual we are, we are still physical beings. So you need the angels to kiss the prayer and to take the prayer up with them. And then to the next level of, of angels, to a higher level, all the way, till they bring it all the way up to the top of the ladder, bring it all the way up to Hashem. And then, when the prayers are answered, Hashem sends down the blessing. Again, the blessings comes down through the prayer, a- through the angels. Angels are called messengers. They are the messengers. They are the delivery boys. So we give them the envelope to the mail. <laughs> they, bring it, they bring it to the right address. And then they return. They bring back the check. They bring it back down here to the right address. So, but angels could only kiss the prayer. It's spiritual. If it's egoless, if there's neshama, if there's genuineness, if there's sincerity, if it's good, if it's nice... But if the, if, the angel, if the prayer has no tam and no reach, the, the prayer is flat, soulless, 
mechanical, mouthing words, the angels can't touch it. So it's rejected. The, the prayer is thrown down, as he said earlier, and it remains in this world going nowhere, flying around going nowhere, accomplishing nothing, doing nothing, going nowhere. And that's why maybe many of our prayers go nowhere, because it's not proper prayer. That's why first the angels went up the ladder, and then the angels go down. It should have been the reverse. Angels are in heaven, so first angels should come down the ladder and then they go back up. Because the angels are taking the prayers up the ladder and then the angels bring down the, 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 good re- the, uh, the response, uh, the good response. Um, so prayer, because prayer, Maimonides is of the opinion that prayer is a biblical commandment. It's one of the 613 commandments. There's a commandment to pray every day. Now, if prayer is just about asking for your needs, every day you have something you need to ask for. Some days everything is good. You just want to thank Hashem, but you, know, you don't have any, any specific needs that you need. But prayer is serving Hashem. I'm serving Hashem. I'm worshiping Hashem. I'm, service, I'm serving Hashem. I'm connecting with Hashem. That's what prayer really is. While I'm serving Hashem and I'm praying, I have to, I'm also asking if I have a need. I'm asking for my needs. But the mitzvah of prayer is a daily, daily prayer. Not every day I have a need. I have an urgent need every single day. Hashem, please, I need this. I'm desperate. Not every day I'm desperate, thank God. But I have a mitzvah to pray, to connect with Hashem. So the, the soul of prayer is the connection with Hashem. So when prayer is properly, and I'm connecting with Hashem, and I'm serving Hashem, and I'm, then when you pray for something and you have a need, the angels can take the prayer, they can kiss the prayer, they can elevate it to a higher level, to go higher and higher and higher, till the words of prayer become so spiritualized until they reach, they reach the world of emanation, they reach the godly level, the godliness, they reach Hashem, so to speak, and then Hashem responds and sends the answer and the blessings through the angels. So we have to do, we, we deal with angels. We talk to angels. Every Jew talks to angels. Every Friday night, we come home from Shul, we sing, Shalom Aleichem. We say hello to the angels. We welcome the angels. We ask the angels to give a blessing. We say goodbye to the angels. Say We're talking to the angels. We deal with angels. Angels are energy. Angels are pure spiritual energy. So if we are spiritual, then the angels can connect with us. If our prayers are spiritual, but if the prayers are not spiritual, there's no spirit, there's no soul, there's no energy, there's no life. It's just prayers, obligations, duties, mouth the words like a speeding bullet train and just saying words and our mind is wandering. We're not even thinking about the prayers. We're our mind is elsewhere. Usually our best ideas come right in the middle of Shemineser. <laughs> Smack in the middle of the prayer. We're thinking about this and this business and this business deal and this strategy and this. So the angels can't touch it. The angels are spiritual. It's how, if we are not spiritual, our prayers are not spiritual. The prayers are thrown down and they remain uh, in this world, in our world, going nowhere. They don't pierce the heavens. They can't, they can't Fly, it can't soar, it can't reach its destination. But he wants to know why the difference. 
Why mitzvah and Torah, even without intent, do pierce the heavens and create, a, create at least reach the external worlds, the worlds of the, where the angels reside, at least it reaches the spiritual realm and it creates angels. And versus prayer doesn't pierce the heavens. While when it's done with the proper intent, both the prayer and the Torah and the mitzvah reach the same destination. So why, when it's not done with the proper intent, why the difference? That's what he's going to explain now. Nearly, however, now he's coming to explain, answering this question. However, the difference between Torah and prayer without intention is self-evident. For in the study of Torah without proper intent, one understands and knows what he is learning. For otherwise, it is not called study at all. It is only that he is studying neutrally, without intention of lishma, for its own sake, out of a manifest love of God in his heart, but only out of the latent natural love for God that every Jew harbors in his heart. When you study Torah, your mind is engaged in the studying of Torah. And the studying of Torah is godly. Is doing a godly activity. He's studying Hashem's words and Hashem's mind and Hashem's wisdom. So when you're studying Torah, you are engaged and occupied in the studying of Torah. That's why the Talmud says, how do you deal with your evil inclination? It gets impossible sometimes. How do you fight your evil inclination? Which we all have to fight and struggle with constantly and continuously until 120 years. So, firstly, he says, you should get angry at your evil inclination. Why are you, why are you trying to sell me... Uh, you're, you're a con artist. What are you selling me? You're selling me nonsense. You're selling me not the real deal. You're giving me this cheap imitation. You're selling me a bill of goods. You get angry. What are you giving me? You're selling me, instead of giving me the real deal, love, you're, giving, you're selling me lust. Instead of giving me the real deal, joy, you're giving me fun, which is cheap imitation. Instead of giving me the real deal, which is honor and dignity, you're selling me the cheap imitation. Fame. Instead of giving me the real deal, which is real hunger, you're giving me the cheap imitation, craving and constant craving. So you're selling me junk food, junk lifestyle. You're selling me garbage. What are you? So you should get angry at the Yetzirah. And that's one way of overcoming the Yetzirah. But if it doesn't work, I'm not so angry. I actually like what he's selling. <laughs> I like what he's peddling. <laughs> it's good. It's sweet. The junk food is delicious. Pass it on. Lay it on thick. The drunk lifestyle. So what do you do? So the next step is study Torah. Studying Torah is two, two parts. Firstly, when you study Torah, you're busy. When you're thinking about one thing, I can't think about something else. If I'm busy, engaged in learning something, and studying something, I'm engaged, I'm busy. The person is busy. So when you're studying Torah, A, I'm occupied, I'm busy. My whole being is, is studying Torah. I'm talking about real studying, not 
really learning, when your mind is fully engaged and you're trying to understand it and you're trying to tr- truly understand it, and it's exhausted. By the way, it exhausts you. Really learning exhausts you because it engages you, it, it takes energy, it takes up your energy. So I don't have any energy for anything else. I'm too busy learning to be, to be to, I don't have any time for nonsense. Not because I'm so holy. No, my Yitzhara is alive and well, trust me. If I stop studying, forget about it, watch out. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just busy. I'm keeping busy. I'm engaged. I'm occupied. My mind is busy. I'm busy hours studying, and my all my energies are exhausted in the, the studying of Torah. So, firstly, a I'm busy. I'm doing something. I'm learning, and I'm learning Torah. I'm not just learning. I can be busy with math and science and physics also. I'm not just busy with some math. I'm studying Torah. I'm studying the divine wisdom. I'm studying Hashem. I'm studying His mind. I'm studying His wisdom. His words, holy words. So my whole being is engaged in studying Torah. So this elevates me above the fray. This keeps me, keeps me, so it neutralizes. The Yitzhah just elevates me above the conflict. Keeps you out of trouble. Keeps you out of trouble. So when you're studying Torah, even if I'm not studying with the proper intent, I'm not studying with the deepest neshama and the deepest level of egolessness and godliness and holiness, I don't, I don't feel the angels flying and I don't feel the holiness and the godliness. The Talmud says, Yonus and Benazil, the senior of the 80 students of Hillel, and it was the senior and the holiest and the greatest of all those students, when he would study Torah, the birds passing through would be burnt up, would be consumed, because it was, there was such holiness, there was such presence of holiness that they were literally consumed by that holiness. So if you study Torah with such holiness, but you're studying Torah and you don't sense the holiness. I'm just a human being, flesh and blood, and I'm studying. Because I know it's a mitzvah, I'm a Jew, and it's a mitzvah to study Torah, and it's a godly thing to do. But I don't sense the godliness. It's not like I, I'm studying Talmud and I'm bursting out in tears because it's, I'm so moved that I'm communing with Hashem and my mind is becoming one with the mind of Hashem and I'm, the finite is becoming one with the infinite and I'm so moved to tears. Very few people cry at the Gemara. <laughs> it, it, it's only a very... It's, it's, I'm, but I'm busy studying Torah. I'm studying. I'm studying the Torah. I'm studying it honestly. I want to understand it. I have to understand it. I have to understand it properly and I understand it well. I'm fully engaged and I know that it's Torah, it's holy, but I don't feel the holy. Nevertheless, I'm doing something holy. I'm occupied and fully engaged with something holy. So that's why the Torah soars. It pierces through the heavens. Yes, since you're not studying Torah with an egolessness, with a sense of godliness, but you are studying Torah, you're doing something holy. You're doing a holy activity. You're doing a mitzvah, you're doing a holy activity. And therefore, it pierces through the heaven and reaches the spiritual realm and will create a new angel, a uh, positive angel. On the other hand, he is not studying with an actual negative motivation, such as for self, aggregate or the like. Uh, for this, manner of Torah study does not ascend higher than the sun, as stated in the Zohar, Parshat So even though you're doing a godly activity, you're studying Torah, you're doing a mitzvah, but if you inject a negative intention, you're doing it for the sake of ego. You want people to respect you. You want people to honor you. You want to be honored. You want people to, to uh, 
You want to be famous. You want to sit up front. It's purely ego. You're not thinking about Hashem. It's purely thinking about yourself. The Torah becomes a career. The rabbinate becomes a career. I heard a rabbi speak, my career as a rabbi. Could you imagine? My career as a rabbi. Rabbi is a career? Yeah, there's a doctor, there's a lawyer, and I'm a career, I'm a rabbi. That's ego. Torah is godly, Torah is holy, Torah is Hashem. But it's all about me. This is my career, this is what, where I sparkle, I shine, I stand out. God gave me a, a good mind, so gifted me with, I'm gifted, I'm talented, and, I'll, and I'm brilliant, and if you ask anyone, I'll be the first one to tell you how brilliant I am, and I want to show everyone how brilliant I am, and I want to make an impression, and I want people to talk about me and to like me. Sounds like reform. This is, cuts across all, all, uh, all <laughs> denominations. Um, so then, you're going contrary to the Torah. Torah is godly, Torah is divine, Torah is holy, and you're turning it into a career, into ego, into I, 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 I. Then you're taking the Torah and you're imprisoning the Torah. You're trapping the Torah. You're taking the Torah and taking the Torah into a dungeon. You're imprisoning, you're shackling, you're putting shackles, handcuffs in the Torah. You're not allowing the Torah to soar. Torah by nature wants to soar, but you're forcing it down. You're forcing The Baal Shem Tev once went into a shul and immediately walked out. He says, the shul is filled with Torah. The rabbi thought he was complimenting him. The Baal Shem Tev quickly explained, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. When a Jew studies Torah properly, the Torah soars. The Torah leaves this world. It soars to the heavens. It soars to the heaven of heavens. It soars. I was one with Hashem. It says here, everyone, all the Torah study was so egotistical. It was so egocentered. It was all about I and how brilliant I am and how smart I am and to prove. And to, the whole Torah was just used for my career, for my advancement. Nothing to do with Hashem. Nothing, you, didn't, you weren't thinking about Hashem. Hashem was the last thing on your mind. But it was front, middle, and center. You're thinking about yourself. And the Torah was just a tool to advance yourself. Ego and arrogance. And, and made you more arrogant. Instead of Torah making you more humble. Moshe, the ultimate Torah scholar. Every bit of Torah that he learned, he became the most humble person that lived. It totally humbled him. And here, every line of Torah you learn, you become more arrogant, more impossible, more ivory tower, remo- removed, remote, distant. So, if anything, the Torah becomes co- totally counterproductive. It has a totally opposite effect in it. So you're trapping the Torah. Nebuch, the Torah can't go anywhere. So the Torah was so thick, the shul was so full of Torah, he couldn't walk in, couldn't step in. So this is if you study Torah with the wrong intention. So we have three levels. You study, study Torah with the proper intention. Then it becomes godly. You, tor- you study Torah without any intention, neutral, You're just studying Torah, not positive, not negative. Then the Torah becomes spiritual. 
And you, Torah, you study Torah with the wrong intention, with all the wrong intentions. They say there's someone who, who would learn. He was a, became a son-in-law, a very rich person. And he would always hear a noise outside the room. So he was certain that it was his mother-in-law or someone coming to check up how he, diligently he's learning. And whenever he would hear the noise, he would really start learning loud and this. And after years and years went by, he figured it out. What happened was, it was the cat. The cat, the cat would come and eat, it would make noise. So for years he was learning for the cat, to show off for the cat. But the whole learning was just to show off for someone else. He was thinking about someone else. He wanted to show off how, what a good Torah scholar he was, how diligent he was. So it wasn't a bad Hashem. So this type of Torah study, it's a negative energy that encases, wraps itself around the Torah and doesn't allow the Torah to go anywhere. Chains it down. Holds it down. Keeps the Torah like in a dungeon. Zohar states there that the verse, what profit is there for man from all the toil that he toils under the sun, does not refer to one's toil in Torah study. The Torah is loftier than the sun. However, if this toil is undertaken for self-aggrandizement, it is also considered to be under the sun, for it does not ascend aloft. So there, the Zohar says, Shleiman Mela says, in Ecclesiastics, that my What's the advantage of all a person's efforts? It all remains under the sun. In other words, everything that we do or say it remains in this world. It doesn't leave this world. It remains like imprisoned in this world. But the exception is Torah. Torah is beyond. Torah pierces beyond the sun. Pierces beyond the atmosphere. Beyond the, this world. Torah pierces and ascends to the higher world. But then the Zohar says, if, however, you study Torah with the improper intention, for egotistical reasons, for self-aggrandizement, then... Even the Torah also remains in this world. Life in this world. That is because one's thought and intent are clothed within the letters of Torah that he utters and prevent them from ascending. The ulterior motive that derives from the Klippo thus encumbers his words of Torah. So he says that's the reason why Torah, the only time that Torah remains in this world is if it's with the improper intent. But now he's going to explain why prayer, even prayer that's not done with the improper intent. But if it's not done with the proper intent, prayer also remains stuck in this atmosphere, in this world, and goes nowhere. Why? Why, why is that equivalent to Torah with the improper intent? So too, in prayer without intent, meaning that one entertains alien thoughts, but since his intention is addressed to Hashem, he is, after all, in a state of prayer, except that alien... Okay. He's not talking about a negative intent. He's comparing prayer without negative intent to Torah with negative intent. Self-aggrandizement, ego, arrogance. Versus prayer, not the proper intent, but it's not a negative intent. When he says... One entertains alien thoughts, he means that he's not thinking about the words of prayer. But he has no negative intent. He knows that he's praying before Hashem. 
the overarching theme of prayer is I'm standing in front of Hashem. So he does know that he's standing in front of Hashem and he does have the proper decorum and he's standing in front of Hashem. But his mind is wandering. I'm not paying attention to the individual meaning of each word. I'm just, I'm praying. I know I'm praying to Hashem and I'm taking it seriously. I'm praying to Hashem. But there's no individual intention. There's no spiritual intent. There's nothing deep or sincere or genuine. I'm just, I just know I'm standing in front of Hashem, a general intent. So yes, I'm not thinking anything negative, but I'm not also thinking anything positive. Does it have to do with um, concentration? The quality of- sure, it has to do with everything. Concentration is your soul. How much your soul are you putting into it? How much of yourself you concentrate? To be able to concentrate, you have to get out of your ego. You have to completely remove all distractions and totally focus and how much depth of soul and how much sincerity and... and, and, and of course, it's all, it's all soulful. Concentration is also the ability of your soul, how much of your soul you're investing in the prayer. So yeah, I'm not concentrating. I'm just saying the words. I know in general I'm standing in front of Hashem, but there's no concentration of the, 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 the details. So that's what he's saying. Prayer, it's not like Torah. Torah, when I study Torah without a negative intent, even though it doesn't have a positive intent, but I'm doing something, I'm studying Torah, I'm doing something divine and godly. I'm fully engaged in studying Hashem's mind, Hashem's words, Hashem's, these are Hashem's words, Hashem's letters, Hashem's thoughts, thought process. So I am, the substance is godly. But in prayer, what is the substance of prayer? It's my words. Prayer is I am praying to Hashem. In my words, in human words. So I'm praying to Hashem. I'm requesting, I'm beseeching, I'm asking, I'm praising, I'm thanking. I'm, I'm expressing, the human being is expressing himself to Hashem. So if there's no intent, then there's no substance. It's just mechanics, you're just, you're just repeating words, but there's no... So if there's no substance, it goes nowhere. It remains flat. It remains trapped in this atmosphere, in this world. In Torah, even if there's no proper intent, but as long as there's no negative intent, you're doing something godly. So the godly activity, the mitzvah and the Torah soars and pierces through the heavens and at least reaches the world of the spiritual realms, at least creates this, the angels. If it doesn't reach the godly realms because it doesn't, it's lacking in the proper intent. But in prayer... If you have the proper intent and you're praying sincerely and you're concentrating in the words and your whole heart is into the prayer, heart and soul, then it soars together with the Torah and the mitzvah. It soars to the same place, to the godly level. But if it doesn't have the proper intent, it doesn't even reach the spiritual realm, it doesn't even create angels, it's nothing, it's flat. Yes, you're not praying negatively. Because the fact that you're praying, you're already doing something godly. The act of prayer itself is godly. I'm, I'm praying, I'm talking to Hashem. I'm, why else am I praying? Why am I coming to Shul and putting on tefillin and praying? I, I'm doing, I know that I'm doing something godly. I'm talking to Hashem, I'm coming to a holy place and I'm doing something holy and I'm standing in front of Hashem. So the general intent is there. It's not, there's nothing negative. My ego doesn't dictate I should pray. My ego can dictate I can study Torah, Yes sharpen my mind, show how brilliant I am, get a reputation in the community, people will respect me, they'll honor me. So yes, it could be totally fueled by ego. Prayer, to be fueled by ego, is a little, doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't drive. Why, if you, why bother pray altogether? Why am I praying? What ego? 
you're wrapping yourself up, you're spending an hour, you're, you're praying, you're talking to Hashem, you're standing up, you're davening. So the act of prayer itself is a godly act. There's no ego involved. So there's no negative intent. But if there's no positive intent, then it's, 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 there's no substance here. What, what happened here? Well, what did you do? You're standing for an hour, you're standing in front of Hashem, saying nothing. I mean, really doing nothing, saying nothing. Because it's a unification of the heart and the, and the words and the, and the brain. Without the three, then, then you're not. You're not unified, and, and therefore you're not, you can't make the same connection with Hashem. Right. So then the words are just, just empty words. You're just mouthing words. So these are human words, empty words. And your mind is not present. In Torah study, my mind is present. I'm studying the Torah. My mind is there. I'm totally engaged. And we're talking about genuine studying of Torah. Not just reading the Torah, but studying the Torah. So my mind is fully engaged. So my soul, through my mind, my being is fully engaged. I'm present. I'm totally present in the study of Torah. But with the prayer, if my mind is not present, all it is, my, my lips are moving. I know in general I'm standing in front of Hashem. And in general I'm doing something godly. I'm praying to Hashem. Fine. But, but the words itself, it's just engaging the lips. It's not engaging the mind. So therefore, there's nothing happening. My mind is not present. My soul is not present. My being is not present. There's nothing doing. And it's not anything godly. At least in bits I'm doing something godly. Here, I'm do- here it's nothing. It's just words. So it goes nowhere. Accomplishes nothing. Reaches nowhere. Brings back nothing. The mail never left. <laughs> was never picked up. <laughs> so it's sitting there piling up. That's what we're going to learn next week. But since, in general, prayer is a godly activity, therefore, when the mail piles up, it's very easy for it to be collected. Much easier than... Than, uh, than, than when you study Torah with the improper intent. So the mail is piling up, and then you wonder why, why you didn't get any response. It was never delivered. It never left the house. You know, the, uh, the people are sitting on the plane for four hours, and the pilot gets on and says, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that the plane is on the ground. The bad news is it never left. <laughs> to be continued. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.